So whenever Luke 4 comes up uh, to be preached upon, I go back to the first time I ever preached on the Gospel of Luke chapter 4. And actually back then, and it's now um, over 26 years ago, <laughs> wow, um, when you were that young of a preacher, you were hoping for a nice passage. You didn't want those scary passages, you know, like how to explain uh, what was going on with God when God closed the door on the, on, on the ark and all those people were washed away. That came later and I drew straws with the head of staff and I got that passage. But this passage, I was really happy to have. So I go out and I preach and I think it's going okay. You're really nervous, especially in your first year. And I'm looking out and people seem to be engaged and I'm going all right. And there's an elderly gentleman in the church and he's not looking so great. He's, uh, <laughs> usually it starts with like an expression of confusion. Like I'm talking and I look out and I see somebody kind of doing the, uh, huh? kind of look. And then as the sermon went on, his huh kind of looked, kind of looked like he was getting a little stirred up. So after church, the rest of the service happens. I think I, I must have blocked him out. And we go out to the narthex and I'm there with uh, my boss, the head of staff. Remember again, eight months into the ministry. <laughs> and the line is there and he comes up and he shakes my hand and he goes, if you ever preach a sermon like that again, I'm going to walk out of this church and I've been a member for 50 years. And then I was in shock and he walked away and I kind of looked at my boss and he looked at me and said, fix that. <laughs> and I didn't sleep till Monday. So after not sleeping on Sunday night, I got back into the office Monday morning and I was in a panic, so I called my favorite professor back up at McCormick Seminary and uh, I was his TA for a class called Pastoral Care, so you'd think I maybe would learn a little bit about how to work with people. That wasn't obvious to me at that moment. So I called him and I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I gonna do? And he's like, well, let me tell you what you're gonna do. You're gonna say a prayer you're gonna call that gentleman on the phone and you're gonna to get to his house today if possible and you're gonna ask the question of what got him riled up. And I said, I don't wanna. <laughs> and he said, question, did you preach the gospel? And I said, yes. And he goes, then go therefore. So I called him on the phone. He was just thrilled to receive my call. <laughs> And I went out there, and I don't think I was practically breathing uh, when I walked up the driveway and, uh, and we sat down and I said, all right, I can take it. What was it that got you upset about the sermon about Jesus and the scroll and the temple? And he goes, oh, if you just would have left it at that, if you just would have followed it up with, you know, Jesus loves me and everybody so much that, you know, he was beginning his ministry and preached the good news, I'd have been great, but then it changed. And I said, what changed? And he goes, and then you got to interfering. Interfering? What was I interfering? And he said, well, you started to challenge us. Really? I mean, that was Jesus. He had the spirit of the Lord upon him. He was called 
to fulfill Isaiah. But what does that mean? Now you want us to go out, you want us to serve the poor, you want us to bring people into the building, you want to do all this stuff? You're interfering. And I said, I'm hearing you loud and clear. I believe I preached the gospel. And I believe that Jesus always challenges the preacher first before the sermon is ever given. And so I have been interfered with by God as much as you from the sermon that was preached on Sunday morning. He thought for a while, it's kind of that pause where you know it's either going to go one way or the other. And then he slapped his knee and he's like, well, you should have said that in the sermon. I'm like, okay. <laughs> uh, okay, so here I am. And my intro is longer than my sermon. I'm here to interfere in our lives today with this same old passage that I preached on, which seems like 100 years ago. And, and let me set up the scene. So Jesus... Uh, has been in his dad's carpenter shop, and now he's reached the pivotal age of around 30, and he's gone out to the River Jordan, and he's been baptized by John the Baptist, who's been preaching away that the Messiah was coming. And after he's baptized, where does he go? The desert. And how many days is he tempted? Forty. Forty. So he goes out into the desert, and he's tempted by Satan. All these temptations. And when he comes out of the desert, he starts doing some walking around and preaching and teaching and parables. And word gets back to his hometown of Nazareth that, wow, Jesus, you know, the kid who grew up down the street, you know, Mary and Joseph's son. He's preaching. He's like this famous rabbi. So he comes home. And you can imagine how everybody must have been feeling like, wow, this is going to be awesome. It's kind of like when we send out our young people and they go off to seminary and we can't wait because we've been a part of their story of what led them to start pursuing this journey of ministry. And they come back to preach and we cannot wait because we've had a share in that story. So Jesus gets up and the scroll, because remember, not books, he opens the scroll and it's from the prophet Isaiah. And I don't know if that was just what was read today or he asked to read that passage. Either way, things go pretty well until a certain moment happens. So he stands up you can just imagine they're all like, oh my gosh, there he is. He looks like a rabbi, right? It's kind of like when I go home and all my relatives who have known me and all my stories, they look at me with kind of like, wow, you're a minister. <laughs> and then I'm always asked to pray at every family occasion. And it used to be that after my prayers were done, I'd say amen. They would give me a collective number, one through 10, about how good the prayer was. <laughs> So here we are, Jesus back at home. People are excited just to hear him read scripture. So here's what he reads. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now lots of sermons could be done just based off of that piece right there. 
And all of that is good. This is familiar to them. They have been waiting, right? They are waiting for the Messiah. So he starts to roll up the scroll, and they're still enamored with him. They're still excited. And then when he closes the scroll, he looks up, and here's where he interferes. And today, this has been fulfilled. And there must have been a collective gasp. What, what did he just, what, wait, that's Jesus. You know, Mary and Joseph's son, the carpenter. Is he saying he's the promised Messiah? Yes. Well, if you know the rest of the story, and I encourage you to read it, what happens is after temple has ended, they're, now they're really riled up, riled up to the point that they try to drive them off a cliff. And somehow he escapes them because, and I quote, his time had not yet come. His time had not yet, he's just getting started. There's disciples to recruit. There's cities to go to. He's got to do a lot of proclaiming because the spirit is upon him. So imagine what it would be like to be Jesus and to go to your old hometown and to start off being loved and to end up where they tried to kill you for the words that you spoke. Kind of interesting that we go back to that moment in time. You know, when you come through confirmation class or you go through new members class and we're excited to receive new members today, there's something called the marks of membership, what it means to be an active member. And here's what I think is one of the cool things about the Presbyterian Church and the marks of membership is it, it actually recites this passage. So this is what Jesus is called to be and to do. And then alongside this passage are the marks of membership that basically say, and now today as an active member of the church, you are called to proclaim the good news, to go out in the name of Jesus, to love and to serve, and to be a part of this community where you go, in Jesus' case, to temple, we come to church and we open the Bible and we hear it read and proclaimed and we pray together and we're in community together. That's what it means to be an active member. So there's kind of a, a little silly that kind of goes around with the staff um, in that we only have two membership classes a year, one in uh, the fall and one in the winterish leading into spring. And what's the funny is that uh, it's inevitable, and this is the case in this class, Doug and Kate Probst, who are now joining today, Doug came to me like a week after last, uh, the last new membership class was done and said, we're ready, we want to become members. And I go, the next class isn't until March. And so that became a joke. So as Doug and Kay have been worshiping with us every week, he'd be like, well, it'd be really nice if I could be in that class. And I laughed last week. Uh, another couple came forward and he said, I finally made a decision. I want to be a member of the church. When's the next class? <laughs> last week. <laughs> I think there's something to be said, though. It's kind of like that old adage, before you buy the farm, before you sign your name on the dotted line for ownership, you kind of want to check out the property for a while. You want to know some of its history. You want to know what the expectations are. 
and any group of people you have expectations upon leaders and upon the folks that sit at your right and your left. And there may be expectations that we all have of new members. So we have this newsprint and new members go around and they answer some of those questions. What are your expectations of us? What can we expect of you? And often they're the same exact words that are written. Want to grow spiritually? Want to be a part of a church family? Want to make a difference in the world together? That's what it means to be part of the church. And the church, not the building on the corner, right, of West Chicago. No, the church is us. We are to be, like a verb, be church, to be proclaiming that good news. And we'll also be giving our lives over to Jesus because we don't know where Jesus is going to call us next, which town, like the disciples, we're going to enter. And there will be days when we go out and we will be well-received and we're going to feel like we're on the mountaintop and there's going to be days when we go out and people are going to be like, what are you doing here? You know, it's really, really something, though, to be called by Jesus, to be asked to join him in building up the kingdom of God. So one of the questions that the new members are going to be asked today is this. And I thought as an act of solidarity and as an act of we're all in this together, I would ask us all to commit to this question. Will you seek God's direction for your life? And as a member of this congregation, or in this case today, if you're a visitor, as a friend of this congregation, will you try to minister to others, to meet the needs of a broken world, and to walk humbly with the Lord all the days of your life? If so, would all of us please say, I will. I will. I will. <clears throat> Let it be so. Amen.